You are now listening to the Faith Community Bible Church Podcast. It's our prayer that this message is not only a blessing to you, but to your entire family. Join us as we aim to make Christ known in our community by caring for the community. God bless. Y'all, we are in Romans, and today we will close out chapter 6 um, in Romans. I feel like this series, uh, Rory, is going kind of fast. I don't know why. It just seems, seems like it's going by pretty quickly. Um, Mike said, nope. Not <laughs> slow it down. Um, so Romans 6 is where we are. Grab your Bibles with me. Romans 6. We'll begin at verse 15 today. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 15. Romans, Romans chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse 15. If you don't have your own Bible, we do have the verses available. For you on the screen as well. And if you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible for yourself, please make sure that you see me after service. I would love to give you my Bible as a gift from me to you. Right, One day technology ain't going to work, but we still want to be able to have the word of God to read and to follow. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 15, it reads this way. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading the sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Oh, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. For the wages, the paycheck for sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. May God add a blessing to the readers, hearers, and doers of his word. You may grab your seats today. Looking at Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, I want to preach. I can I'm from a subject. If life was a game, who's controlling yours? If life was a game, who's controlling yours? What's uh, what's your favorite hobby? I have a few, um, but one of my favorites is just simply Mark Gullet going in my basement and playing my video games. Be it Madden, uh, NBA 2K, Division, 
whatever game I play, uh, let, let, let me be clear here, right? If you want to smoke, let me know. I'm down for some competition, Isaiah Smith. But my hobby is my video game. And, and if you play video games, you play Madden or 2K and you want my handle, meet me in front of the television. I will show you what it be like. But playing my video game is my hobby, and I, I, I really kind of enjoy it. I don't play it, Keisha, as much as I would like, because for, for whatever reason, I can't get out of my mind. If you got time to lean, you got time to clean. But, I, you know, it's always something to do. I don't play it, Carl, as much as I would like to, but I do enjoy it. One day, uh, I went to go play my video game and turned it on, but Pastor Shelton, I had one problem. I couldn't find my controller. That was an issue. Because without the controller, there was no way that the game could actually be played. Without the controller, uh, Nikki Bennett, I couldn't even get past the main screen. Without the controller, right, I couldn't even choose the game that I even wanted to play. It's by chance you are here and you don't know much about video games, right? Maybe, right, you grew up with Kenny Petty and you had Atari. <laughs> maybe, you <don't, laughs> maybe you don't know much about video games, right? But, 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 but a game controller, the controller really for the game is a device used with video games or entertainment systems used to really provide input to the system. Right, and typically, right, the, the, the job of the controller, right, what the controller does typically to control, the, the controller is used to really control an object or character in the game. And controllers may be input devices that only provide input to the system or input or output devices that receive data from the system to, to produce a response, right? And if you've got the right controller, some of them rumble. If you got the right controller, right, some of it shake and some of them light up. They do all of these different things, right? But today, right, many people who use video games, they like wireless controllers. Because wireless controllers talk remote to the system, which then, right, um, allows even the controller without even touching the system a way to still control it. But I would suggest to us today that as followers of Jesus, right, we have to get out of the mindset of wireless control. Because what has happened is that we've become comfortable being wirelessly controlled. Therefore, even in every area of our life, we complain when it's time to plug in. Some of the best controlling game that I've played, uh, Leah Gullet, was when I was able to plug directly into the system. When I was able to plug in directly, I didn't have to um, worry about low battery. I didn't have to worry about Bluetooth turning into red tooth. Right? I didn't have to worry about any of those things. Why? Because I was plugged directly into the source. This isn't only true for video games, but it's also true for your life as well. If life is a game, who's controlling yours? Truth is, believer, the only thing or the only person that should have control over your life is God. When you are free in Christ, it is he that controls you. And hear this today, main point, God is or ought to be or should be in control of every area of your life. And hear this, 
He shouldn't be in wireless control, but you ought to be plugged into the source. Now, I want to be clear here, right? When I'm talking about being plugged into God, right? I'm not talking about being plugged into church only. Because remember, the church is not a place that we go, but rather it is who we ought to be, right? And, and I just believe if we remain plugged into God as our controller, then from that, we will not only come to the assembly, but we will be the church. God is in control over your life. Your life must be controlled by God. And even before we get into this text today, right, I want to free some folks. I want to free you today. I want to free you by letting you know that your life must be controlled by God. How do I want to free you? Hear this. Your life must be controlled by God, not your past. Your life cannot be, uh, your life um, um, is controlled by God. Hear this, not your decisions. Your life is controlled by God, not your boss. Your life is controlled by God, not your spouse. Your life is controlled by God, not your friends. Your life is controlled by God, not your emotions. Your life is controlled by God. Here's your shout, not even your sin. Here's the thing, right? Many times we get stuck, right, in our past, right? But do you know, right, that even with everything David did, David was a sinner, but he was still a man after God's own heart. That says that no matter what he did, he still pursued God and God still wanted him. God is in control over your life. The past is the past for a reason. God ought to be in control of your life. Here's the question. Do you really believe that, though? Do you believe that your life is controlled by God? Why do you believe it? Or why don't you? I want to ask you this question in a different way. Since you're in Christ, are you a slave to sin? Or are you a slave to God? Look at your life. Looking at the way you respond to what's presented to you. Are you a slave bound to sin or, or are you a slave bound to God? Now, before you really answer the question, understand this, that questions are better answered when there's enough information to answer it. So ask to the question, are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to God? As this question is on the table, I want to help you really to begin to understand the difference between those two questions. Now, to be a slave to sin means that you are bound to sin. You are controlled by it. If you are a slave to sin, it means, hear this, that your sin is your master. Jesus says in John 8, 34, truly, truly, I say to, say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of it. Those who habitually commit sin mean it constantly persistently, nonstop, repeatedly, frequently practice sin. If that's you, then listen, you are a slave to your sin. I want to tell you, God is not looking for perfection because we can't do it. He's looking for obedience. He ain't even looking for perfect obedience. He's looking for a heart that desires to be with him. Are you a slave to sin? Right? Here in this text, as he talks to the church at Rome, he, he uses this analogy of a slave and his master to make the point that slaves obey his master because he because that that's who they belong to slaves have no will of their own they are literally in bondage to their masters when sin is your master you are unable to resist it 
See, when you are slave to sin, you allow sin to dictate how you live. When you are slave to your sin, it is your sin that dictates how you walk or how you behave. When you are slave to your sin, it is your sin that dictates how you talk or even how you deal with others. Here's my question. Are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to God? If life is a game, who's controlling yours? See, when you are a slave to God, it means that you are his servant. Being a slave to God says that you are bound to him. Everything that you do points to him. When you are a slave to God, it means that you are obedient to him. And as a slave of God, you willingly, voluntarily commit yourself to a God who holds all things in his hands. Hear this today, believer. God is or should be in control over your life. Your life must be controlled by God and nothing else. Understand this. Everyone is a slave in the spiritual sense. We're either slaves to sin, which is our natural state, or we're slaves to Christ. And the writers really of the New Testament willingly declared their status as slaves to Christ and Paul even opens up his letter to, to, to the church at Rome by referring to himself in Romans 1.1. He says, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. His letter to Titus, right? He says in Titus 1.1, I'm a slave of God. And even James opened his epistle the same way. James, a slave of God and of the Lord. See, once we come to Christ in repentance, and receive, y'all, forgiveness of, uh, for our sin, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit who comes to take up residence within us. And the thing is, y'all, is that as followers of Jesus, as we are in Christ, we must learn to surrender our wills to that of the Father. That way his spirit rules how you walk. His spirit will rule how you talk. His spirit will rule how we behave and even how we live in the context of relationships. It is by the power of God, y'all, that we're able to resist sinning and become slaves of righteousness. I want you to hear today, believer, that God is or should be in control of your life and nothing else. Your life must be controlled by God and nothing else. And Paul opens up chapter six really by asking us, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he says, no. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we aren't to continue in habitual sin because we, we should be dead to it. Since we've been buried and resurrected with Christ, y'all, we are now able to walk, behave in the newness of life and unlike the unbeliever who is still a slave to sin, Romans 6.6 6 goes on to say that since we know that our old self was crucified with him so that our body of sin might be done away with, we should no longer be slaves to sin. We are commanded as followers of Jesus to not let sin reign in our mortal body, obeying its lust, but instead we are to present ourselves to him as instruments of righteousness. The question that our text leaves us today. Life is a game. Who's controlling yours? Are you being controlled by sin? 
Or are you being controlled by God? Are you a slave of sin or are you a slave of God? Now, before you answer, think about video games, right? Video games has different levels to it, right? And just in case y'all forgot, I can beat you on every level. I just wanted to say, because Isaiah be forgetting stuff. I just need to, you know, play this back, Isaiah, for the reminder. <laughs> but video games have levels. And as we talk, right, about if life was a game, who's controlling yours? I want to be able to help you process the answer to this question. As if you were in your own video game, the life of you. What happens on these levels? to help you know who's controlling it. It's right here in the text. Level one, here it is, number one. How do you know who's controlling your life? Here it is. You're controlled by the one you obey. That's number one. You're controlled by what you obey or the one you obey. Watch what he says. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? Here it is. <laughs> but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Now, now, here's what's amazing in this text, right? Because remember, Ezekiel 36 says, a new heart I will give you, which says that something was wrong with the heart that I had initially, so I needed a new one. But right here, Paul, remember, he, 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 he transitioned from talking about justification to talking about sanctification. And right here, he says, you, right, have become obedient, hear this, from the heart. Which means that um, uh, something was wrong with the one you had. You've been given a new heart. So that which now was wicked has now been renewed, has now been refreshed, has now been replaced. Right? You are a slave to who you are obedient to. Here's the thing. What God did, right? God put all of us to sleep and he did open heart surgery. Right? He didn't have to go like, like all of us needed a blood transfusion. He said, listen, right, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be justified by me, I'm taking you through this process of sanctification. The blood that's flowing through your veins, it ain't going to work. You need something new. Therefore, I'm giving you a new heart. I'm going to take up residence in you so that you can be more like me. If your life is a game, who's controlling it? Who's controlling it? If we continue... To give ourselves over to sin, there's a strong possibility that that's what you were slave to. Just because the law, God's word reveals our sin to us and God extends his grace to us, doesn't mean that we have a license to keep on sinning. Hear this, God is not, God doesn't expect you to be sinless. But he does, believer, expects you to sin less. Because light and darkness can't dwell in the same place. There's no way you can be a slave to God and be comfortable doing those things which God hates. 
right? No, we're not talking about a works-based salvation. We're talking about a Christ-based salvation. Because the more and more I spend time with Jesus, the more and more I hang out with him and hear his word and hear his plan for my life, the more and more I want to surrender who I am to him and allow him to help me live, move, and have my being, not in my own strength, but because of who he is. Since we have responded to the gospel call y'all we have been set free from sin we cannot continue to obey sin we must obey God if we continue to sin meaning get stuck in sin obey its desires then listen we are slaves to it reality is genuinely converted blood-bought believers are slaves of God because we obey God obedience to the father proves our love for him Right? Oh, you need scripture. I already know Davina was like, give me scripture for that, Pastor. Okay. Here it is. Luke 6:46. Come here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Oh, 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 I, I forgot. This is a Bible church, so y'all need more evidence. Okay. Well, come here. First John, right? If you love me, you'll keep my commands, right? Hear this. Let me tell you. Do you know right that? It is faith, having faith in God or to produce obedience to God. Okay, come here. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is necessary to please God. And if, if our faith is genuine and true, then we, we're going to live a lifestyle characterized by righteousness, modeling the example that is set forth in us by Christ. We obey his commands. Not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love him. We are enabled to obey because once we believe in Jesus, we are saved. We are remade. We are born again. We are not the same people we once were. And as y'all know, right, we, we talk about this scripture all the time. Come here. Second Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. When we obey the Lord, we can live a life of joy without shame. Do you know that when you live in life with the Lord, even when you mess up, it, it still can't steal your joy? When you live in life with the Lord and you made new and you are a slave to God, even when things don't go your way, you still find a way to shout in the midst of suffering. Even in the midst of your tears, you find a way to smile. Even when you know, right, folks reminded you of who you used to be and what you used to do, you just get excited at the fact that I know I ain't who I need to be, but thank God I ain't who I used to be. I'm a slave to God. Here it is. Here it is. If life was a game, who's controlling yours? Our life must be controlled by God. And I want you to hear this. You are controlled by what you obey. That's level one. It's level one. You're controlled by what you obey. But here it is. Number two. Level two. Here it is. Here it is. Level two. You are controlled by what you present your bodies to. I promise y'all I'm not making this up. It's in the text. Right? You are controlled by what you present yourself to. Watch what he says in the text, verse 19. He says, speaking in human terms, because of your limitations, 
For just as you once presented yourselves members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading or lawlessness, he says, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. You are controlled by what you present yourself to. We are commanded by God not to let sin reign in our bodies, obeying its lust, but instead we are to present ourselves to God as instruments of righteousness. Paul here in these verses is helping us to see, right, that when you were a slave, when you were a slave to sin, you ain't have to worry about righteousness because you wasn't getting it. Right? You ain't have to worry about righteousness. Righteousness wasn't in your sights, right? Um, because all you was thinking about is being the best you you can be. Right? Do you know? See, it's interesting because we live in a time now where people say, I want to be the best version of myself. In many ways, like, that's an inaccurate statement because in order to be the best version of yourself, you got to be a slave to sin. What if being the best version of yourself isn't who you needed to be, but you wanted to be the best version of who God wants you to be? Because the best version of ourselves is laced with selfishness, is laced with me-ism, is laced with all of these different things that really can push you further away from God. But because, right, um, you have surrendered yourself to Christ. You are in Christ. You don't want to be slaves to your sin, but you want to be a slave to God, which says, God, right, not only, right, do I want you to control how I walk, but I want to present myself to you. I love, right, when I think about presenting myself, who I present my body to, uh, Pastor Shelton, I think about Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, right? Y'all know, right, that, that, that famous scripture, um, wives, submit to your husbands, right? Um, if you living in today's age and you, right, and you have a hard time with this word submission, right, let's have a conversation about it later because I want you to know, right, it's not a way for a husband to control a wife, but it's a biblical command for the wife toward her husband, right? So he says, right, wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord, but then he goes further, husbands, love your wife. As Christ has loved the church, and just in case, right, we don't know what that means, he said, oh, I know y'all forget what Christ did, so let me remind, he gave himself for her, right? Let me just mash pause and get away from the text real quick and just let you know, right, that if you here and you married and you trying to see how to love your wife, love him as Christ loved the church, what are you giving up for your wife? Right. What are you giving up? What are you willing to turn aside? How are you leading? Y'all, that is not like that was free. That ain't even in my notes. But what I really wanted to get to, right, how you present yourself. Right. He told us as husbands, he says he gives us instruction. He said that you want to wash her by cleansing her with the word. Here it is that you may present her without spot or blemish. Right. So here it is. We are a slave to what we present ourselves to. And certainly if God is telling us, right, hey, we want you to wash her in the word so that she may be presented clean. How are you presenting yourself to God? If you right, um, are the bride and he is the bridegroom, then certainly he wants you to present yourself to him without blemish. So he. Hey, here's what you crash up. It's thought about my daddy singing with the male chorus. 
They had the broom. They, they marched in with the broom, right? Uh, uh, Clint, you remember male course Clint, right? I got to clean up what I messed up, right? You got to, like, God wants to clean up, hear this, what you messed up. He wants to, he wants you to present yourself to him holy and without blemish. Now, now, to present really refers to a decision of the will. To present uh, refers to a decision of the will or or a desire. Do you know before sin can have power over you, it first must pass through your desire? Okay, you need scripture. You need scripture. Let me give you scripture. Here it is. Come here. James chapter 1. We're drawn away. By our own lust and entices. We are enticed by our own evil desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. Mankind's fallen nature has the propensity to strongly desire whatever sin will satisfy. Therefore, y'all, we must yield ourselves. 100% 100% to Christ. Y'all, I just did a wedding yesterday. And as I met with this couple, we began to talk about marriage. And, and he said, I know, right, in order for this marriage to be successful, we both got to bring 50-50. I said, man, thank you. Appreciate you for giving that information, but I would disagree. He said, what do you mean? I said... If all you're doing is bringing 50% of yourself to the table, what if there's one day where she's just feeling 10% of herself? Y'all can't meet nowhere. But I said, when you're giving yourself, presenting yourself to something or someone, you always got to give 100%. Because even when she, when she having a 5% day, you still meeting her where she is. Since even when he ain't, his day ain't all this cracked up to be, when you give 100% of yourself, You can meet him where you are. Well, what if I don't have the strength to get there? See, that's when God is there. And he helps you to meet where you are. It's the same way in your relationship with him, right? Uh, Ask yourself, how much of myself am I giving to Christ? What what are you keeping to yourself and not giving to the Lord? We must yield ourselves 100% to Christ. It's it's through him, right? We get the power to have victory over sin and death. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, Sin shall not master over us if we have faith in Jesus. When we are a slave to God, sin doesn't reign within us. This doesn't suggest, y'all, that believers are perfect, but rather it reminds us that we must surrender ourselves to someone who is worthy of our surrender. And that person who's worthy of surrender, it is not me. It is not none of the pastors here. It is Jesus the Christ the Holy One, the Righteous One, right? He is the one who, who has the power to deliver you from sin and death. you got to present yourself to him. We must wash ourselves in God's word, meaning that we must apply it to our lives so that when we present ourselves to him, we are presenting a church without spot nor wrinkle. We can't present ourselves to sin and expect to serve God too. We must, through the power of his spirit, 
present ourselves to God. Come here. Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Be not conformed to the things of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what God's perfect will is. Well, I have a hard time, Pastor Bird, knowing what God's perfect will is. Well, are you presenting yourself to him? Hear this, for those in Christ, only acceptable worship is to present yourself completely to the Lord. My question, what are you holding back? What are you, what, what are you having a hard time putting in God's hands? I'm going to be vulnerable. Mark, I'm talking about me. It feels so good sometimes. Find myself comfortable in sin because it feels so good. But then you realize the reason why it's so comfortable because now, Keisha, I identify with it. It becomes a part of who I am. And even though I know God is saying, let this go, right, I have a hard time giving it to him because I feel like if I don't let this go, I'm not going to be me. But what's happening God is saying, you know what? I don't want you to be you. I want you to imitate me. So if you just present it to me, you do not have to continue to live your life with this monkey on your back. You can shake this thing. You can let this go. You don't have to carry this. This no longer fits you, right? That's why he says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Really, your situation isn't what has you heavy laden. It's that burden that you're continuing to carry that you can't carry no more. You got to present it to him, give it to him. Those of us who are in Christ, y'all, the only acceptable worship is to present yourself completely to the Lord. What are you holding on to that you need to let go? I don't want to, I ain't going to guess what it is. But you tell him. Hear this. Life was a game. Who's controlling yours? Are you a slave to sin or are you a slave to God? That's a question to all of us. We got to answer. Do you obey sin? Or do you obey God? Have you fully presented yourself to the Lord? Let me share with you as we conclude. Point number three. Level three, here it is. Like I said, you are controlled what you obey. That's number one. Number two, you are controlled by what you present yourself to. Final point is this. Your outcome. Your outcome determines who has your control over. You think about this. The first video game that I ever remember playing Super Mario Brothers. I'm talking about the one that only had eight levels, 8.4 levels. Each level had like four or something. And if you know anything about Super Mario, right, you will get to level 1.2. And you jump over, you go to the back, it's tunnels. But all of us knew we could skip level two. We can go right to level three. 
But when you get to level three at the end, Lanisha, I know you remember, you hit the duck. You just keep on hitting the duck. You keep on hitting the duck. And that's how you get extra lives. You get extra lives. And sometimes, right, you would run out of time, but you would die on purpose, only to go back halfway through the board to come back and get extra lives. Right? That's what we continuing to do through this life. Right, we, we, we done jumped over the end, going through all these tunnels, looking for ways to get extra lives. When God is really saying, listen, stop hitting ducks, trying to get extra lives, and come unto me, and I'll give you eternal life. Right? Well, how do I know if, how, how do I know when this game is matured? How do I know when I reach the level, the right level? Your outcome is determined by who has your controller. Remember in Mario, we knew when we won, when you done beat Bowser, because what happens is, actually it wasn't Bowser back then, it was King Cooper. Right, you knew when you beat King Cooper because what happened is, right, here it is. Y'all gonna miss y'all shout, here it is. You hit the button, the bridge collapses under Cooper, and he goes where the fire is. But because you've made it past the enemy, you're able to go to the one who's wearing the crown. Your outcome is determined by who has your controller. Right? I, here's the thing. We've been so confused and so duped by this world, we think that we're the ones with the crown. We think we're the ones, right, who has the power to make it across bridges. Do you know that you, Mario or Luigi only made it across the bridge because the controller was in your hands. Do you know that you are only making it across the bridge because the controller is in God's hands? The only way you're able to get to the one who has the crown is simply because he saw fit, right, to ensure that while the enemy was throwing darts at you, he chose not to allow those darts to cause you to sink. He chose not to allow all those different things to cause you to stumble. But hear this. Even though sometimes those darts may hit you, Scripture says this. No weapon formed against me shall ever prosper. But, but, but right before that, here's what he says. How, how do we know that the weapons won't prosper? Because he said, Pastor Dan, a verse before that, he says, I created it. That's how I know. Understand this. It's God who must have control over your life, right? He says in the text, Romans 6, 21, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you've been set free from sin, he said, now that you've made it across the bridge and the enemy has fallen, you have become a slave of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's in eternal life. He says, because you are a slave to God, right? You, you can now hang out with me. I'm the one with the crown. I'm, right, the one who has the power, right, to bring you out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay and place your feet on a rock. See, he says the benefit of being a slave to God is sanctification. The outcome is eternal life, but the consequence of being a slave to sin is death. Hear this. I know life gets hard. I know, right? 
for so long you've been fighting, trying to overcome these things that's been breaking you. But understand something. God has to control us. He don't want you to sink. He don't want you to be burned by the fire. He wants you to be refined by the fire. The conversation is not the fact that you won't experience fire. You're going to experience it. It just ain't going to burn you. Right? I remember hearing a preacher preach and he talked about his jeweler. And he said, I went to my jeweler and I wanted my jeweler to make me this piece of jewelry. So he said, I gave it to him. And I kept on going to him and I'm like, is it done yet? He said, no, it ain't done yet. He said, well, tell me the process because it's taking a little long. He said, well, what I do to make it is that I got to put it in the fire. He said, and when I put it in the fire, that's how I mold it. That's how I shape it. That's how I make it to what you want it to be. And then he says, how do I know when it's complete? How do you know when it's done? He says, when I can look at it and see my reflection. Here's the reality. The fire that you get, that you in, right? It's not that to burn you, it's that to refine you. God is taking you through this fire so that he can look at you and see his reflection. He wants to look at you and know that you're his. He wants to look at you and know, right, that you are in his hands. Why? Because he's the controller. It is he that is molding you and shaping you and conforming you to his image. The question is, why won't you let him have complete control? What are you afraid to lose? Interesting thing is, you're afraid to lose what's not even yours in the first place. Scripture says it this way. Bible study pop quiz. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwell therein. Life is a game. Thank you for listening to the Faith Community Bible Church podcast. We hope you were encouraged by the message on today. To respond to today's message, please go to fcbcstl.com forward slash respond. If you would like to give to support the mission and vision of Faith Community Bible Church, you can go to fcbcstl.com forward slash give. God bless.